Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Everything Pup podcast. I'm your host, Holly Montgomery. I want to start out this episode just by saying welcome back to season two of the Everything Pup podcast. I took a little break over the summer simply because here in Canada, we get such a very short summer that it was kind of hard wrangling up people to interview during their very short, warm break here in Canada. So I decided to break this podcast into seasons. So this will be the very first episode back on to season two. And I'm really excited about it because I'm interviewing Taylor McDonald, who's the creator of the Bindi's Bucket List platforms. This is exciting to me because I feel like we're on exactly the same page when it comes to dog enrichment, and it's going to be exciting to talk shop with a fellow enrichment advocate. So recently I decided to create a sensory garden for my dogs, and I discovered that Taylor was herself working on a sensory yard for her dogs. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to invite her here to the podcast to chat all about it with me. So let's get on with the interview and learn all about how you can create a sensory yard for your dog. You're listening to the Everything Pup Podcast, the place for dedicated pup parents to find valuable dog-centric tips, interviews with trusted industry experts and your favorite dog brands, and everything else you need to become an informed advocate for your best friend. Now, here's your host, Holly Montgomery. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, listeners, I have a really great surprise for you today. Today's guest is somebody that I discovered recently through you guys. And I want to thank you so much for introducing me to today's guest. Her name is Taylor McDonald, and she's creator of the Bindi's Bucket List Platforms. Welcome to the show, Taylor. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun to talk about. Yes, today's topic is one um, we were just talking a little bit uh, prior to hitting record here about um, sensory yards and how a lot of people don't really know too much about them. And we're both very excited to introduce to you guys today, everybody listening, kind of what um, Taylor and I have been up to in that regard. Taylor is a little bit well, a lot of bit <laughs> ahead of me. I've just started uh, looking into doing a sensory, I'm calling it a sensory garden, sensory yard. You can call it whatever you want, sensory paradise. But um, before we dig into that subject too deeply, Taylor, I would love to have you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your dogs, Bindi and Rosie, and what led you into starting Bindi's Bucket List. Absolutely. So Bindi's Bucket List was kind of an accident. So I adopted both of our girls six months apart. Some people would think that's kind of crazy and it kind of was. (laughs) So we hit the puppy stage full on with two dogs and our lives just completely changed overnight. When we first adopted Bindi, I actually started the page to kind of just share with the rescue how Bindi was doing. And then when we got Rosie six months later, the same kind of thing. And what started as like a passion project and I was showing some of our enrichment kind of just blew up overnight. Um, I posted something kind of not a jo- as a joke, but I was jokingly calling it like people were calling it Kong charcuterie uh. and that kind of blew up and one thing led to another. And now we're here. I am an English major by trade. I love writing and I love researching. So when I am passionate about something, I dive into it head first. And that's kind of how the platform kind of evolved. So it's been super fun. Um, I love to talk about all things dog and ownership, responsible ownership, realistic dog ownership as well, because I know the internet especially can be very rose-colored glasses all the time. So I like to show a realistic view of what it's like with dogs, but also show the good, the fun, what we can do to improve our dogs' lives. And I just love that people are also so passionate about it. And I just feel so grateful to have this platform and to have all those that come with it because that's been so much fun for us. That's awesome. And like I was saying, I was mentioning earlier that it was actually my followers that introduced me to you because they must have seen, I mean, we have a lot in common in terms of um, what we like to provide our dogs and that we believe they need to be have this enrichment and that we can really make their lives better. And we're both passionate about wanting others to learn about it so that their dogs can have a better life. But I mean, you are just crazy 
way far ahead of me in terms of all the cool stuff you're doing. And <laughs> when my followers followers introduced me to you, I was like, this is crazy. So now I, I was able to follow you and learn a lot too. So I think that's really awesome. Um, oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Yeah, no, I and you are both on, did you start on Instagram or, or is TikTok your bigger platform or where do you prefer people to find you? So usually I'm more so on Instagram, but TikTok, as we all know, within the pandemic kind of skyrocketed and that just started out as something kind of fun to do in the pandemic. But that one is actually our larger following is on TikTok, but I would say that I'm more involved on Instagram. Okay. That's kind of where you're, that's kind of the place I feel most comfortable too for my, I have a photography background. So it used to be a photography plat- uh, platform, but it's not really like that anymore. But yeah, but yeah, that's kind of, I think where, why I got so comfortable with it. I'm still not into the TikTok thing yet. I know I should be, but <laughs> it's tough. It's a totally different like space, right? Where I feel like on Instagram, I get to connect more with our followers and people that we love to follow. And there's just a lot of great learning resources on there. Not that there's not on TikTok, but TikTok can definitely be a more overwhelming space for sure. So I totally get it. I feel like Instagram is like the old classic, I guess you could <laughs> say, right? I still love it. Even with its changes, I, I don't think that'll ever like change for us. I still think that Instagram will be our main hub. That's cool. Nope. I agree with you hundred percent. All right, so let's get back on the subject of sensory yards, gardens, paradises, whatever you want to call it. Um, what made you decide to create a sensory? You call them a sensory yard. So what made you decide to create one for your dogs? And how did you even come up with the concept? So this was also like another pandemic project, I would say. I feel like with so much time at home and we had actually moved house. So we came from, we lived in like a duplex scenario with Joe's parents, which was amazing. It helped us save um, money for our first home, but we had a lot of property there. So when we moved, our backyard got a lot smaller and I didn't want to sacrifice anything for our dogs. Like when I, even though the yard was still there, I was like, oh, I'm so used to them having a huge yard. So I made it kind of my passion project to make the most out of a small space And I'm very, very lucky and fortunate and grateful for our yard. Don't get me wrong. I know there's people that don't have a yard, but I just wanted to make it a little bit more geared towards my dogs. And at first people, I think, thought it was a little nuts. They're like, oh, it's just a backyard. Like your dogs will like it no matter what. But in turn, I think it also turned into the sensory paradise for us. And it was hilarious because we would have people over and we'd be out on the deck and everyone would be like, wow, this is so nice. I can't believe this was for your dogs. Like I'll sit back here anytime. (laughs) And um, it was kind of like this little labor of love that just turned into something really nice for all of us. And I think the dogs really enjoyed it. And in the same breath, it allowed me to feel a little better about giving up the space, even though like the space isn't Like it isn't defining what's good for our dogs, because I think that gets lost in a lot of translation, especially with apartment dwellers and everything like that. There's this weird stigma that every dog has to have a yard, which is not the case. And we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, so it just kind of spiraled into this very fun project that Joe and I kind of took head on and did a lot through the pandemic when we couldn't really go anywhere. No, so it kind of seems like the logic behind that is maybe um, since the yard actual physical size got a little bit smaller, you were like, what kind of things can I interject into this yard to make it as exciting as maybe a bigger yard with more room to run around sort of thing might be, but um, kind of going after the different senses and that sort of thing. And and I mean, we have senses too, so I can see how that a space like that would be pleasing for people as well which I've discovered about mine as well. (laughs) I'm spending way more time in the backyard than I did before. And I have space. I have three acres. So it's the space. And I want to talk about this later with you is it's not irrelevant. I mean, there's benefits, but it's just because you don't have that doesn't mean you can't do this. So, um, yeah. So since a sensory yard does focus on enticing the senses, this is kind of what we're going to chat about today, about the different ways we can do that for our dogs. And let's just maybe talk about going through all the senses. And I would love to get your feedback on what some of your favorite ways 
of enticing those individual senses might be. You can, of course, use examples from your space, which is awesome. Um, if I can think of anything I've, I can add to that, I'll, I'll pop that in too. But let's just go through the, the senses. Let's, let's start with sight. What are some of the things you have in your space that um, are enticing to, to that um, sense? Absolutely. So this, it's really interesting with this kind of thing because the sky's the limit with creativity. So we had things like little, like whirly birds. We had like little garden fixtures. Like we have a little um, fire hydrant and everything like that. Like little cute little solar lights. Also, we have a lot of flowers and foliage. And not only does that give a visual, but it also brings in a lot of different wildlife as well. So we get a lot of squirrels. We get a lot of um, birds. We've gotten possums, which <laughs> obviously not ideal to have possums in the yard with dogs. Let me tell you that for free. <laughs> but it just makes it a very enticing visual space. And there's always something going on because it's like the yard is alive. So it doesn't have to necessarily be like a fixture or a statue. Like that stuff is all great as well. But it's also things that you can add into the space that add that other level that you might not think of that is just nature, essentially. It's almost like being inside of a or watching a fish tank. You know, yeah, exactly. Fish, I find fish to be really relaxing to watch. And I mean, all they're doing is swimming around back and forth. But it's it's something to kind of keep your eyes focused on. And I mean, we have TV <laughs> and yeah. I, I know some dogs do enjoy that as well, but it's not, it's not the same. Like being outside in nature just seems to kind of decompress you. Whereas I don't know, TV kind of almost gets you jacked up. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I like having kind of that calmness and, and the birds are a big thing for my dogs. I, for some reason, the boys hate hawks, but anything mm -hmm. else is welcome and they calmly watch. But I don't know. <laughs> they think that Go hawk figure. is going to attack a 70 pound dog. I don't know why they're worried about it. But they don't like them, but <laughs> there's always something right. And that's exactly it. Like our dogs are always watching, right? Like take, like when your dogs are staring out the window, they're watching what's outside. Same with our dogs. I find a lot on our deck. They love sitting out there. The scents that come through the sights that come through. It's just all a, a part of the space. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And, and every single kind of stimulus has more than one sense that it can kind of go after too. Like birds have a wonderful song. So yeah, it's, it's exactly. goes to the ears as well. So it's all so intertwined. That's for it, sure. It is. I love it. Okay. Now let's go into, I find sight for me is the, what's kind of the trickiest one for me to tackle, but some of these other ones uh, seem a little bit easier. seems like there's a little bit more we can do with them, but um, sound is one, the next one that I'd like to talk about. And what are some ways that, I mean, besides the bird singing, which we just talked about, uh, that you can maybe add some things to your yard for, for sound? Absolutely. And I think this was one that kind of surprised people in the beginning when I talked about it, but sound is a big one. Like our dogs have an immaculate sense of hearing. So there's little things that you can do. Like for me, my favorite are water features. Mm. Obviously I don't have a huge yard. I don't have a huge pond or a pool. I just have a, a simple fountain. That's wonderful. Not only do the dogs seem to enjoy it, but they also love drinking out of it. So it's <laughs> Two birds, one stone kind of scenario. Yeah. Um, things like foliage as well, like flowers and ferns. They rustle really nice in the breeze. We have some gentle chimes. I like to say gentle because obviously you want to place it in a nice spot where it's not going to be like jingling off the hook and your neighbors are going to come <laughs> knock on your door. But there's little subtle ways that you can incorporate those kind of things that it doesn't seem like a lot. But like you said earlier, everything kind of intertwines to make the space very re relaxing and enjoyable. That's true. And one, that's one thing I learned from uh, following you was um, using plants and grasses for sound. I hadn't even thought of that. But that sound of grass rustling is really relaxing. So I think that's yeah. a great one to get in there. Yeah, even like small things that maybe people wouldn't think of as normally associated with sound. Like we have a, a little path that has pebbles. And when the girls take off, the sound, you can hear that sound, right? Like the takeoff from yeah. the pebbles to the grass, to the to the concrete pad. It's all something. And um, it just adds to how diverse it can get. Like you can really, really just add so many different things to your space, depending on also what you like and what you like to listen to. 
That's true. And that's a really good point that I didn't want to leave out because uh, sound is one of those things that people can be really sensitive of and so can dogs. So um, my one dog, Grizz, has giant satellite dishes for ears and he is he's got sound sensitivities and he's always had them his whole life. But thunder, um, even the sound of the fridge being left open when the little beeper goes off, these things all kind of set him off. So when you're planning these kinds of things, you have to be sensitive to the individuals in your home, people and neighbors and <laughs> and your pets, because like I want, really wanted a wind chime and I, I bought it and I hung it up and I crossed my fingers. I'm like, please don't let this bother Grace because it was so pretty. And sure enough, it didn't. So I was really lucky that I got to keep it. But um, just pay attention and make sure that it's not something that your dogs are avoiding um, because it's something they don't like. And I mean, smells can be the same. Some people have very strong smell sensitivities and I'm one of them, but we'll talk about that when we get to, to the smells. But um, so yeah, those were some of my favorites too. And another thing I was thinking of doing is maybe um, installing an outdoor speaker so I could play really quiet music. Um, and of course, you've mentioned this before yourself, but make sure that if you have neighbors close by that you're not being crazy annoying to them because <laughs> they like to enjoy their yards too but <laughs> yeah we all want to enjoy our yards and I totally agree with the music like music is a huge one inside and outside of the yard for us because it's always done wonders for us especially if we leave the house and we're leaving the dogs at home we always leave some soft music on and that's always been part of our routine you can definitely incorporate that into the yard as well I think everyone kind of enjoys that right some like good relaxing music on a totally. nice day it adds to the ambiance absolutely mm -hmm. now this is going to be one of my favorite ones and probably my dogs would agree but <laughs> Let's talk about one that you might not think of, and that would be taste. I mean, um, I've seen you adding all kinds of cool things, and of course you want to add things that are safe for your dog to taste. You put weird flowers in there that are poisonous is not a great idea, <laughs> but yes. um, a lot of people might overlook that you can put things that your dogs can nibble on in, in the yard Absolutely. as well. Do you have and some favorites? Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was a really fun one for us because when we lived um, at Joe's parents previously, we had a really, really big vegetable garden. Joe and I love to grow veggies and our dogs then, I swear they're part rabbit because <laughs> they will dive in there and eat green beans and cucumbers and everything of the sort. So when we moved here, we knew we wanted to integrate some of that. So we've done a lot of berries. So we have a raspberry bush, a blueberry bush. And last year we had strawberries and it's like fighting for your life to try and get one between these dogs because they just think it's their own personal, like, smorgasbord, which it kind of is. That's what it's there for. But it's just such a fun little way to add that. And you can see the dogs go out to it, which is one of my favorite parts is you can see them seeking it out because they enjoy it. And you can see them rooting through to see if there's anything in there for them. So it's hard to get mad at them for eating them all when they look <laughs> so cute and happy. So that one has been super fun for us. Obviously, there's lots of different herbs and stuff like that that you can use as well. Th those ones also go along with scent. But um, our dogs definitely go for the berries every time. And you have a, a few different, uh, what are some examples of some of the ones that you have that are dog safe? And you mentioned a few, you mentioned raspberries, um, maybe some herbs. Do you have some favorite herbs? Yeah. So one of my favorite ones is actually mint. The reason being is the dogs don't mind chewing on it and they also smell amazing. It's like nature's perfume when they go through the mint, I swear. It's like two birds, one stone yet again. Yeah. Uh, the dogs also seem to like the basil. We also have some dill out there. In the past, we've also had some rosemary and stuff like that. Um, they don't seem to like eat the rosemary or the dill as much, but they still love sniffing around in it. And again, they just smell like they've just come out of a salad when they come inside. <laughs> And some of these herbs can actually be repellents as well for pests, for mosquitoes and, and other bugs in the yard too. So it's, it's nice to have Absolutely. those around. But I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I have oh, a, totally. a Saskatoon bush in my yard and the dogs have been, I've encouraged them to try and pick their own berries and they do. And it's like, I don't know if there's anything cuter on the planet. And again, I don't really get that many myself either, but, but yeah. I think it's so cute. And dogs are foragers by nature, and they don't really often get a lot of opportunity to do that. 
So to give them that kind of chance to do it in their sensory yard, I think is awesome. But you've got, exactly. I think you um, planted your berries in that in pots, right? You've got them kind of just in little pots. Yes, I had ours in pots. I'm hoping to eventually plant them in the garden. I had them in pots originally because the dogs would just eat them absolutely bare. So I was trying to kind of mm. step, curb them from eating them all before the plant was kind of established. Um, nonetheless, they still ended up like cleaning them dry, which is okay. It's for them. But uh, there's lots of different things you can do. And that's why something like that is also great for someone that might have a balcony or maybe you don't even have a balcony. Maybe you're in an apartment and you just want to have a pot inside by a window that's still an option for you, right? I don't want people to feel like you solely have to have a yard, even though I do call it the sensory yard. It's just essentially a sensory space. And something like that could easily be integrated into your home or on your balcony as well. Yeah, I don't want people to get discouraged by that because they can definitely do something. And certainly you might not be able to have six large bushes planted in the, in yeah. the dirt, but, <laughs> but you can do something. And, and having just a small potted plant, you can always swap it out too, right? I mean, you could exactly you could get something different next time. So I think it's definitely doable. Uh, so touch, touch was kind of one that um, I wasn't sure either because it's it's like, well, what are they touching? Is it the textures they're laying on, they're walking on? Um, is it one example that I want to talk about? Is a dig pit? Is that all considered touch? Because there's a lot of, I mean. They're getting a lot out of it besides just the feeling on their on their feet. But um, do you have any kind of examples of touch in your sensory yard? Absolutely. And I do like that you brought that up because it is kind of a broad umbrella term, right? It can be interpreted in a multitude of different ways. But how I like to describe it is think about after a after winter when you go out and you your feet touch the first feeling of grass. Or when you go to the beach for the first time in a while, or you feel a smooth stone in your hand. Those are all things that you can visualize in your mind's eye almost immediately. And the same thing goes for dogs. They might not be touching or grabbing something like we are, but they're still feeling the world around them, whether it be through their paw pads, whether it be through their whiskers on their face or other parts of their body. So I like to do the dig pit, which is not only like a sensory kind of touch thing, it's also super fun to do some enrichment games in the dig pit. I also like to have a variety of different things in the yard. So we have grass, we have clover, we have the pebbles, like I said, we have um, different, like we have a cement pad and we also did try and add a little bit of mulch in with our um, new soil we put down this year. So all just different kind of feelings that could also be interpreted as well with how we were talking about earlier, the longer grass, right? They come through that longer grass. That's going to be a great feeling when they're ripping through that. And I find that my dogs are absolutely obsessed with tunneling under my hydrangeas. So they've kind of made this tunnel and they kind of go right through it. And I jokingly call it like the dog highway because they're always <laughs> running through it. There's no such thing as going through their slow-mo and it's probably because it's nice and cool under there, right? There's no sun, there's no sun hitting them. It's going to be the cool leaves. There's going to be the, like the almost damp dirt under there. So that's an example of like little things we might not think of immediately, but that would make a difference for them. That's true. That's a really good point. You just made me think of something. Um, for some reason, we have these two bushes in the yard and the dogs like to chase each other around them in between them. And they have to like go through there and the branches are definitely like getting their sides when they're going through there. And I always wonder, you guys, you have three acres to run on. Why are you insisting on going between <laughs> these two bushes all the time? But right? it could very well be that it's a cool sensation on their body like that. Cause I, it's just something I never thought of until you just said that that could very well be like, it could feel cool, like a nice breeze on your face or something like that. Right. It's like little things like that. And that brings another example to my mind at um, my in-law's house. There's this one bush that Rosie, whenever we go there, she scratches her whole body like around this bush. And I think because where the 
branches start. It's like her perfect height. So she gets like a perfect scratch around her torso. And it's so funny because she looks hilarious doing it. But she goes and seeks out that bush. She knows she's going to get a good scratch on that bush. She remembers that bush. But it's, it shows you how they remember certain things. And they do enjoy the touch and feel of certain elements around them, right? And they'll remember the things that they like. That's true. And that's something, since you observe that, you can mimic that in your sensory yard. You can you can put something in there for her that she yeah. can enjoy because you know she likes that. And it's something pretty crazy you don't really think about. But we, because we take it for granted, but if we're itchy, we can just scratch. But they have so many parts of their body that they can't reach. So it's probably kind of nice to have a bush that they can just kind of scratch their their back on and pebbles does that when she rolls on the ground i can tell she's scratching so it must be frustrating sometimes to not be able to get to those spots so right kind of and i think yeah and i think it's one of those things too that once you start picking up on these things it's very easy to build on that right like it's it's almost like as soon as you start thinking about them the light bulb goes off when you see something and you're like oh that would be perfect or i could mm-hmm. interpret that in this way for my dog or integrate it this way. So I think that's why it's super neat to talk about because it just kind of opens up your frame of mind to things you could easily access and do within your own homes. It makes us as observant as our dogs are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) They pay really really good attention to what we're doing and they, they have it all memorized, but we so often don't notice the little things that kind of make their lives better. So I think we just have to watch sometimes, stop and smell the flowers and watch. And on that note, let's move on to smell yeah. and flowers. <laughs> so smell is yeah. a good one. Perfect integration there. <laughs> Thanks. I'm it working really on those is. skills. I think it's probably, <laughs> it was perfect. It worked out perfectly. Um, when it comes to scent and smell, I think this is one of the biggest ones because scent is one of those things that our dogs use to interpret everything around them. Um, especially when it comes to our yard, you have to remember that we can put all these things on the ground or on um, like the fence. Like I had done like a sensory little sniffy wall, I liked to call it. Um, and people at first were like, well, your dogs can't reach all of them. They're not going to be able to smell. But I think they forget that the power of your dog's nose is incredible. And just having those elements in your, your yard is going to offer your dogs some opportunity with scent. They don't have to be right up in their face. Um, so if you can't have something that's low on the ground or you'd prefer to have something lifted up, that's also totally okay. There's so many cool like florals you can use. We were talking about herbs earlier. It's really like the sky's the limit with the creativity. There's lots of dog safe options. So that's one of my absolute favorites. And it's one of their, uh, you know, they, like you said, they kind of investigate their whole world with their nose. And I, I think the number is that a dog's uh, sense of smell is like a hundred thousand times stronger than ours or something crazy like that. Don't quote me on that number. I don't know for sure if that's the one, but it's insane. So if you can imagine, um, how much kind of sensory goodness they can get out of smells. This is the one you really want to put a lot of uh, attention into because if you've got those small spaces or you you can't do a lot of these other things we talked about, this is one that you can really work on and it's going to give them a lot of satisfaction. Um, So you talked a bit about um, something called sniffing stations, which I saw (laughs) on your page. And um, what are some of the things you're putting in there? Is this the same, like the herbs and the flowers and that sort of thing? Yeah. So we like to do a lot of herbs because we like Joe and I also use a lot of them for cooking. So it's like two birds, one stone. I I feel like I'm hitting that one over the head right now. That's yeah. saying, but yeah, it's no. so true. I always like to have something that has multiple purposes because I don't want anything to go to waste. Not like it's going to waste when it's going to my dogs, but if I can use some of it too, or we get to make sure that it's being um, not just thrown out or at the end of the season, I just especially love to cook. So it's a win-win for me. So like I said earlier, we do a lot of basil, dill. We did some rosemary this year, like a very big pot of that. Um, We've also like mint, like I said, stuff like that. You could also even do um, your berries in smaller pots as well, or some safe florals. We have a lot of columbine. We have marigolds, I believe. Black-eyed Susans, 
um, lots of ferns. Obviously, those aren't like the most, I would say, smelly plant. Those are more for sound, but those are some ideas of some things that are dog safe. And one I want to plant is for sure is I want to get lilacs because I love that smell. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Do they grow well for you up in Ontario? Yes, we love lilac season here. It was funny because when we moved, we didn't know what our plants would be in the spring because we moved in September. So in the spring, it was really interesting to see what all the bushes were. And I remember I was cutting this one bush back and then in the spring, it was a lilac bush. And I was like, why did I cut this back? What What did I do this for? But it's such a great period of time then. And the dogs love the lilacs because they scratch themselves in it another bush again that they scratch themselves in and joe likes to call it their perfume during that time because they smell so amazing but it's so short-lived i wish it was longer i agree that's a lot of and we don't here in canada our seasons our summer season is very short so we we often get these little um surprises like lilacs and that sort of thing for a very small amount of time yeah we really enjoy it when we get it (laughs) I know it's like the best time I swear everyone's happier during those like two weeks that they're blossoming because it just even for us right like you want to sit on the deck and it's just this amazing smell you can only imagine what it's like for the dogs totally so that's a good example I guess of comparable things our sense of smell is not as maculate as our dogs but think of how much joy that little bit of smell for that little bit of time gives us and that's an idea for when you're implementing that in your yard right you can find what your dog loves and kind of run with it and kind of mirror that same happiness there and they're also beautiful so it's it brings you back to the site again and i'll say at this time two birds with one stone (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly it's a win-win you can't go wrong And um, it's just so nice to have. I agree. Um, So one thing I wanted you to tell me about was uh, Rosie's favorite solar fountain. This was a a recent find for you and for some reason brought Rosie a lot of joy. So tell us a little bit more about that. So that was so funny for me because I originally just bought that as an auditory element. I had just planned to put it in like a little birdbath fountain in the yard just for some sound. And I was testing it out because if I'm being honest, it was like not an expensive fountain at all. It was like super cheap. You can get them on Amazon or at like Canadian Tire. And I was like, okay, let's see how well this works. And when I put it in just like a little Tupperware of water to see how it worked, Rosie absolutely loved it. Like it was too funny. I had to get my phone out because the amount of joy that little fountain gave her, she just loves catching the water. And it was just so cute because she's not usually a water dog like at all, whereas Bindi is. So it was one of those little pleasant surprises where when I went to purchase it, it was for something auditory, but it also ended up being something that Rosie loved to play with. So that was a little pleasant surprise. And it's lasted pretty good. You need full sun for it, though. If there's any shade, it does not work very well. But I'll put it out in the sun any day if it makes her happy like that. And it's just like almost like a lily pad that just floats on the top of the water, right? And then the water shoots out of it like a fountain. Yeah. So it has different little nozzles on it. So you can really tailor it to what you want it to spray like. And you need full sun. Like, I'm not kidding when I say a little bit of a shadow on it will make it shut off because it's obviously not the most, like the best quality one, I would say. I'm (laughs) sure there's something better out there. But for my little happy dog, it works great. And she loves catching the water from it. I thought that was a really cool find. And that's the benefit of uh, following Taylor because you can find these cool little things that she finds. (laughs) (laughs) It was too funny because I got so excited about it, right? Because I just had this idea. When I found out, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so cool. And then when Rosie liked it like that, it was even better because it was just too cute and funny. Aw. Does Bindi have anything like that that she really likes? So Bindi is a water dog, like she loves water. So we do have a little kiddie pool that we bring out in the summer and she loves to go in that. Oddly enough, she's not a hose girl. I tried to buy them like this super cute, fun little sprinkler system and they both acted like I was a mass murderer and I was out there to hunt them down. They were like, nope, this is absolutely not it for us. Um, But I tried. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at least we know now. But Bindi it loves her little lay down area. And that might not seem the most exciting, but you catch her laying there in the sun all the time, every single day. And that's another thing I want to bring up with this. It doesn't have to be this crazy, ornate, super intricate space. It's just a space that's designed with your dogs in mind, honestly. So whether that's a really comfortable place for them to hang out, um, a little place for them to dig if that's what they're into, it doesn't have to be crazy aesthetic. Um, but she loves that her little outdoor bed there. And we have to bring it in, obviously, when the winter comes because we can't leave it out in the snow. But she got so excited this year when we brought it back out um, Mm -hmm. come the spring once it got warm enough because she just loves to sunbathe out there. It's her favorite thing. And she remembered it. Yeah, she loves it. It's it's so cute and it's hilarious at the same time because they have their own little seating area on our deck. I'm like tempted to give them like a little like table, <laughs> like it's their own little cocktail chairs in there, right? But it's it's so cute, but it's they love it, so I have no problem doing it. Yeah, it's a small little thing to make people to make them happy. Yeah, <laughs> makes exactly. people happy too. People like sitting yeah. in the sun as well. So exactly, <laughs> we yeah. just often I feel like we get in our heads about all the millions of other things that we need to be doing. We don't just like enjoy the moment like a dog would just appreciate just laying in a sunbeam or a cat cats love that too so and that could be a whole nother episode of things you could do for cats but um oh yeah oh my gosh catios yes the possibilities are endless there as well that's one thing like it's just a bit of creativity Pinterest is great Mm -hmm. there's so many things out there that you can do and they don't have to be inexpensive or super fancy yeah I agree you can make a lot of uh a lot out of nothing. So it's, yes, people don't get in your heads about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your dogs spend a lot of time in the yard, at least in the summer. So do you have any tricks for keeping your lawn green? <laughs> yes. So last year on TikTok, of course, I stumbled. There was like this trend going around about ways to keep your grass green. And someone had, um, I wish I knew the original creator who started it, but it kind of like spiraled and everyone was doing it. It was the TikTok toilet paper hack. And I tried it one day because I was like, I'll try anything because our our yard, like I said, is not the largest. So urine spots, especially with two female dogs, are kind of inevitable, right? Like you're not going to really curb those. So essentially all you do is get grass seed and you mix toilet paper. Yes, just regular toilet paper in with water and grass seed until it makes a paste and you basically clear out your little burn spot and put that down and you water it every day and the toilet paper keeps it moist and it works incredibly I couldn't believe how well it worked I I was that's why I had to film it because I was like there's no way this is going to work as good as everyone was saying but it absolutely did and I I still did it this year it's so easy and it doesn't require a ton of maintenance but that being said I did switch a little bit to clover this year and that has been even better. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. It, just before we leave the toilet paper trick, um, guys, I'll put that in the co- in the show notes for you and, and uh, put a link to Taylor's uh, Instagram page and you can see what she's talking about because it's easier to kind of see her do the mixture and put it down. And, and um, one little thing I noticed was that this has happened to me too, <laughs> where you choose a different type of grass. <laughs> oh you, my gosh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Yeah, totally different. (laughs) I actually, when I moved to my acreage, I thought that I was going to be environmentally friendly and I was going to, I retilled about an acre of it and planted eco lawn. And I thought this was the environmental thing to do. Um, But over the years, the native grass just went, nope. (laughs) It came and pushed all the eco lawn out. But now I've got parts of my yard that got, that's got this really quick growing natural grass. And then these other parts that have really slow growing eco lawn bits so it's it makes a challenge when you're mowing the lawn but <laughs> but I, I I had to laugh when I saw that on your uh, post because I've I've been there too I did it too <laughs> it was so funny and it actually it kind of worked out for video purposes because I could literally show people exactly where the grass that I planted was because it was a completely different kind so this one was like growing like it was on steroids and then there's like the regular lawn but it it worked out because I could like point it out and go 
that's exactly the spot right there <laughs> because I planted the wrong grass seed. <laughs> but how do you know? You don't know what kind of grass. Well, I don't. I don't know enough about my uh, particular uh, breed of grass to know they go yeah. by that particular seed. So, I mean, <laughs> Me too. eventually the dogs are probably going to kill it again anyway. So it's not exactly. really a big deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You brought up clover and that was something that um, it was another thing. It was part of my eco lawn mix was doing clover because I got it in my head that clover was this amazing um, dog friendly kind of lawn covering and environmentally friendly as well. Um, and I remember when I went to the, the, uh, what the heck to call it, where you buy plants. It's called a nursery. Oh, like a nursery? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went there and I said, do you have uh, clover seed? And this was granted probably about 10 years ago. And the clerk there just said to me, most people find it invasive and they don't want it. So no, we do not have clover seed. And it's like, well, I don't really care what most people think. I, I want it. So <laughs> I, I did plant some and it, it last year it didn't do very well, but this year it came back. So I last year was very dry here. I don't know about um, if it was the same for you, but um, tell me about your clover adventure and why you decided to to put some of that down in your yard. I had a similar experience to you. I had a lot of people going like, why do you want clover? Clover's a weed. Like what? We're trying to get rid of clover. My husband hates clover. And Joe and I were like, this is a low maintenance lawn that we won't have to continuously patch. Like, let's just try it. And um, like you said, it is invasive. So if you are going to plant a little bit, just be wary because it will spread. Mm -hmm. um, for us, we planted it in a small spot and it has gradually creeped, but in a good way for us because I just didn't want to go gung-ho and then my whole lawn be clover. I was kind of just testing it because I wanted to review it for people so that people knew what they were getting into. And we've been pleasantly surprised, honestly. Lots of people told us, be careful because of bees and everything. Um, for me, I have no problem with bees. Like I think we need lots of things for our bees and our bee populations, but I know people are concerned with stings. Mm -hmm. But that being said, we have had no more bees than we would with our regular garden. And we don't get a lot of the flowers because we have to cut the lawn and the flowers only happen when your clover is super, super long. And I'm talking pretty long because we've gone away on vacation and come back and we still only have a couple little, little buds. But it's nice because, like you said, we've kind of had a drier summer, like very, very hot. And it doesn't require as much, um, require as much water, which is wonderful because obviously when it's dry and hot like that, you don't want to be putting all this water on your lawn. Like it's just one of those things we kind of wanted to try and avoid. But so far it's been great. Um, we have a small yard, like I said, so it wasn't very expensive for us to get seed and spread some of it. I still have about half a bag in our backyard, but I would recommend it. I've, we've had no problems and it's definitely withstood any of the spotting. Yeah, it, that was kind of the big seller for me was that apparently it's more hardy around dog urine and, um, you don't need to water it. It's, kind of self-sufficient because a lot of, I mean, we're talking about grass breeds and a lot of the grasses that we put down in the cities are not native grasses. They're the pretty ones, but they don't necessarily grow and on their own. And they're super hardy, like my, say my natural lawn here, which overtook everything I attempted to plant over it. But um, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I know that this is kind of a transition that we're going through with people trying to make yards that are a little bit more, that make a bit more sense maybe vegetables, rocks, things you don't have to put so much water on. And clover was an option. And and speaking of like wind chimes or things that might disrupt your neighbors, plant, when you're planting the seed, you want to make sure you try to keep the clover in your space as well, because your neighbors might not be so enamored with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that was the big thing that the the clerk at the nursery was getting at with me. But I mean, I've got a little space, so it wasn't such a big issue. And I don't think my neighbors would care about clover because um, one, our very first lawn guy that came in to help us out with our yard, he said, if it's green and it's growing, it's lawn, leave it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that because especially I think a lot of people thought that it would look really different. 
But when you look at it from afar, it just looks green. And I think that's one of the things that people are kind of obsessed with the green lawn. For me, I'm not obsessed with it being grass. I'm just, I would rather it be like make sense for us yeah. and not have to upkeep it constantly, especially because our dogs are tearing through there and it really has held up super well. And for us, I, I have no problems with it so far whatsoever. I agree. Same. So just individual preference, I suppose. And we'll leave that up to <laughs> individual people. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, exactly. But I like, our, I like our clover and we do get to the point where it flowers and it's pretty and it smells nice. And on the s- subject of bees, we actually have about um, four kilometers down the road. We do have somebody that, ha- that keeps bees. So every single year in the spring, our yard, our lawn is absolutely covered in them. It's audible. And I worried wow. about the stings too. Yeah, it's amazing. And I worried about the stings as well, but never once in 10 years has a single one of my dogs gotten stung. Those bees, when you watch them, they don't give a crap about what's going on around them. They are focusing on what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, unless you, they're busy. <laughs> they're busy. And unless you actually accidentally like push one down with your foot and they have to retaliate, I haven't run, run into that issue with stings. So um, yeah, the, it's not really, we have a lot of dandelions and I don't want to put any chemicals on my lawn. So the dandelions end up staying. And so we do have a lot of bees, but it's never been an issue. So if people are concerned about that, um, that's just my experience anyway, but (laughs) me too. I haven't had any problem yet. No, I agree. And bees are nice. I really love bees. So I don't have a problem with them. The Mm -hmm. honeybees are quite nice. We get bumblebees too. Yeah. Which isn't bad, right? Like I think it just adds to the yard. Like what you're saying earlier, it's like an organic, the yard is like a breathing thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind having insects or animals as long as, of course, I would never want an animal to get stuck in my yard with my dogs (laughs) because that would be very stressful for them. But I just like the idea of our yard having a life of its own, essentially. Yeah. It's not just about us either, right? It's about all the other critters too. So we can make a nice space for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So we've, we brought this up a couple of times, but you and I both live in this uh, wonderful Northern climate, which means winter happens something like 11 months out of the year. (laughs) (laughs) We wish it wasn't so, but that's the truth. (laughs) Yes. But yet we still live here. I don't know why. But anyway, (laughs) so the sensory yard, all this stuff we're talking about, is marvelous if you live in California pretty much year round. But here we only get that for a few months. So once it gets cold, what what do you do with your sensory yard? How does it change? Does it evolve or do you just kind of shut her down? It's kind of a bit of both. Um, the reason being is because Bindi is not a cold gal at all. She does not love the cold. So we bundle her up and she's good for a bit. Whereas Rosie would stay out there all day if you'd let her. Um, as a result, like a lot of our plants that we choose, we try to choose perennials that they'll come back every year. Um, but things mostly, right, they're going to die out, especially with the winter coming. That being said, Joe loves to dig little pathways for the girls. So he'll dig like little pathways and he'll dig some little hills. And in the past, he's also dug like a little tunnel and um, that kind of fun stuff with the snow when it was very packable. And of course, if we're not out there, he would just close it up because we're paranoid, (laughs) which (laughs) wouldn't want them to get stuck in there. But there's lots of fun little things like that. And a funny one that he's done the last two years, he's actually put the snow up on our deck so it becomes like a platform and the dogs because of the height of the deck they can see over the fence just a little bit like our back fence Mm -hmm. where there's no one back there so they just feel higher than thou like they're like wow this time of Mm -hmm. year we can look out the back and see whereas normally they would never be able to see that high but it's just because of the placement of our deck away from the fence and the snow so it's kind of like a little watch platform Um, but other than that, we don't do a ton. Uh, I obviously want to make sure there's no ice so that the girls can't slip. So we obviously use dog safe salt on like our front area when we're going out for walks and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, it sadly mostly shuts down for the majority of it. It does. It gets a bit too cold. And even if some dogs can enjoy it, like I have a Husky mix and he thinks it's the best thing ever. Um, but the humans don't really tolerate it that well. And it can get, there's, we have listeners from all over the world, so they might not 
really understand just how cold it can get and oh, and yeah and how much snow like uh, when Taylor describes making tunnels this we're talking about snow that can be one to two to even higher deep in the yard so sometimes it makes it difficult for the dogs to even go to the bathroom so um I'm thinking that what you mean is you're just kind of shoveling out a, like a little maze path kind of for them to kind of run through and um yes that's a good that's a good point I should kind of describe it a little bit better for those who may not get snow to the level that <laughs> we do um but I'm talking like sometimes overnight especially last year we got a huge dumping of snow and when we came out it was like up to our hips so yeah. the dogs were just not going to be able to get through that right my dogs are only up to my knees they're only 42 pounds <laughs> so in that scenario Joe has no choice but to shovel um, the little pathways out, but he kind of likes to make it a little bit more fun. And he'll, like I said, add the little kind of platform areas and little hills and stuff like that. But um, it's no joke with our winters here sometimes. And I think that's why we're limited in what we can do because sometimes it gets so cold, you can't really leave your dogs out for all too long, even when they're bundled, right? So while well, Rosie would love to, um, it's not really in her best interest for us to leave her out there. Whereas Bindi's like, nope, that's fine. I'll sit by the fire. There's no sweat off my back. Like that's totally fine with me. <laughs> and that's one of the things as a, a dog parent, you have to, you have to call them in when it's too damn cold. Get in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I know you're having so much fun out there, but it's, it's like kids in a sense, right? And they're like, mom, why? And you're like, yeah. well, I'm just doing what's best for you. Okay. <laughs> prefer you don't get frostbite or lose a toe or freeze your paw pads off so no it's it's true exactly. and one game pebbles really likes to play in the snow is um she has a rubber tennis ball and she will actually push it into the snow and then she has fun look digging for it and looking for it so so there's still stuff you can yeah. do if the weather is temperate like here in calgary we have chinooks so when we have these Chinooks, a warm wind comes in for a couple of days and the snow just completely melts. So we almost have like springs throughout the winter. So we have these little times when more often than not, it's revealing surprises under the snow that you don't want it to reveal. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it opens up a whole new kind of world of smells for them. And I mean, if it's a foul smell, they enjoy that. So, I mean. Oh, exactly. That's like <laughs> the best thing ever for them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As long as you don't eat it, I don't care. The eating of it, I yeah. can't handle. I'm mouth? not there. What's in your mouth? Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. So we talked about this a bit already, Taylor, but um, we're kind of getting to the end of the interview. And I just want to drive home to people that don't have a yard or a big space, some of the things they can do. And we've already given some suggestions. So maybe instead of going through a long list of suggestions of things you could do if you have a deck or if you don't even have a deck, like a balcony or just indoors, um, what would be the one thing you think might be a really great idea just to add just for a little bit of interest for, for a, maybe an apartment dog or a balcony dog? Yeah, I think a great option for balconies are little hanging potted plants. Like you could get these little cute hanging pots that would hang on the railing of your deck just at even Dollarama, right? And it's a great way to add some little herbs, some little plants there for, for your dogs to sniff on, maybe munch on. And it's really easy, really cheap, right? You can get them for like a dollar. Um, you could do something like that or even just adding, I know I said it earlier, but a nice spot for them to lay and just watch the world. That's a great starting point, I think, is just offering them that little space. And it's just such a little thing you can do, even like I said earlier, when I have those beds that I bring outside, before I dig them out, I'll just take the dog's regular beds and chuck them on the deck if it's a super, super nice day and it's like the best day ever for them, right? So it's just the little pleasures that you can add, um, even if you don't buy anything, right? You can just add little elements to let them enjoy the outdoor space or even if it's by a window, yeah. that's totally fine. I was just going to say, just popping a window open sometimes and letting just the odors kind of from the outdoors come in because they, you can tell when they've got their nose up in the air and they're just like sniffing the air, they're picking up on something we're not. So those little totally. things are, are, they make a big difference, I think. I I don't know. And when I watch my dogs and I see that they're finding enjoyment from that, it kind of makes me happy too. So it's a kind of a yeah. small thing. So uh, apartment it's, people, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah. 
Oh, no, that's okay. I was just going to say it's exactly what you were touching on there. It's the idea of providing novelty and variety. So something that we might think is just normal. Think about our dogs. They're technically captive companions. Anything they get in their daily lives is done by what we choose to give them or to offer them. So something like going outside and experiencing a new smell or a new space for us who go in and out maybe to work or to the grocery store that's not novel for us really but for your dogs it really can be and that's why it's so exciting for them when they catch a new scent in the wind or they get to smell a new plant or something like taste new berries in your yard or something like that right it's just these little tiny things that might seem very just minimal to us that can make a big difference in creating a plethora of different just fun and happiness inducing objects into their routines. I agree. You brought up the word choice and I've been hung up on this lately. Um, my, <laughs> I always say I have all these great ideas in the shower and it was, it was my shower, shower talk with myself this morning was about choice and dogs and how we don't realize this as humans, but we go through our days making hundreds, if not thousands of choices, which room are we going to go into? What are we going to eat for breakfast? Where are we going to go buy our groceries? What car are we going to drive today? Um, where are we going to go to get a, watch a movie? Which movie are we going to watch? Do you want to play a game? Do you want to go on your phone? And you get the idea. There's literally thousands of these things that we do every day, but our dogs, they have almost none. Their, their choices are so limited. And to me, my shower thoughts are that this is kind of a real lack of freedom for them, I think, and exploring their world. And it's it's almost, a, I don't want to say captivity because it sounds mean, but because it, we're not doing it to harm them or withholding it to harm them. We're withholding it because we don't realize the importance of it. So when you talk about choice, I really like that we can kind of end things on that note and just get people thinking about maybe what are ways you can incorporate just letting your dog make a few of their own decisions in a day. And I think you do this too, Taylor, but I've even seen like people lay out, like, I believe you're a raw feeder as am I. Um, but even laying out their meals, different, different parts of the plate, maybe like you're feeding on a platter or a flat dish or a puzzle bowl or something but leaving little compartments with different choices, just letting your dog go for the goat milk, go for the the raw and just, you know, make these choices. And I think that this is something you can easily do in a small space and something you can easily do without a sensory yard. And I think it's really important. Do you, do you kind of feel that way too? Or <laughs> I feel totally the same. And I think that's maybe why the sensory yard is becoming more of a talked about thing. It's still obviously not largely known. We've only been kind of posting about it for the last couple of years, but it's giving our dogs that choice. I don't have a huge piece of property. So if the dogs want to go run in the grass, if they want to go run on the little in the little rock garden, if they want to go munch on something, if they want to relax on their bed, that's their time and their space to me. So as long as they're not hurting themselves or doing anything that could inhibit um, them in any way, I'm all for it, right? So I really love that you're touching on that because I do feel the same way. It's inevitable when we have um, captive companions. Like you said, captive is kind of a rough word because people associate it with a negative thing. It's not because we don't want to do it. It's just because we don't know that we're doing it and we don't necessarily realize it in the moment. But once you start talking about it, it offers great choices and great advantages to owners once they know how they can offer a sense of choice and novelty, because it can be very, very simple. Mm -hmm. And I think once you have that knowledge, you can really run with it. And it makes such a difference. Truly, I find it with my dogs, especially to give them those choices, because like you said, they don't get a lot. They really, really don't. So I just love that you've touched on that. Yeah, you can really watch them just kind of, I don't know, enrichment is the word. They they just look happier, healthier. Um, I don't know. It's just for me, it's something I can see. I can see a difference in the way they they feel and they're behaving and and I enjoy doing it. But it wasn't something I, I knew about. So 
Um, yep. Shower thoughts by Holly. <laughs> I like that. I see mine happen in the car. Every time oh, yeah? I'm driving, that's when mine happens. So I love hearing when people are like struck by these thoughts because Constant. everyone has their own little place, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. So if we can leave listeners with one thing, I think that would be it. Just what are the ways, whether it be a sensory yard or other enrichment or um, things you can come up with just simply giving your dogs and cats, because um, they're even more, there's that nasty word again, captive than our dogs are, because at least our dogs are getting outdoors and going on car rides and our cats very seldom get to do that. But um, that's a whole nother podcast. But Taylor, this has been an amazing conversation. I love chatting with you, um, love speaking with like-minded people and I just love people that want to make lives better for dogs. So it's been a really great talk. And I want to thank you for for spending some time with me tonight. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was super fun. I hope people and listeners have get to learn something new and maybe get to think about things a little bit differently. Um, but this was great. And you've been absolutely lovely. So thank you so oh, much. Well, thank you positive reinforcement (laughs) (laughs) everybody loves that right (laughs) before we sign off though i want to make sure that you can give um our listeners uh give them some okay let me try that again tell our listeners where they can find you online where are your your best spots online Absolutely. I know we talked a little bit about this, but you can find us on Instagram at Bindi's Bucket List. That's also the same for our TikTok. Or if you just want to dive into some of our blog posts or some of the studies on enrichment, I also have a ton of different blog posts on elements we have in our sensory yard or a little worksheet that you can actually use if you're trying to build your own. And that would be at www.bindysbucketlist.com. If you ever have any questions, never hesitate to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to answer questions via DM, email, what have you. I love interacting with you guys. So never hesitate to reach out. I'm not a robot. I'm a real person (laughs) and I will always try and respond. I've proven it today and I can see her on video right now. She's in fact a human being, a social media machine. (laughs) You heard it here first, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Taylor and listeners. Have a great night and uh, we'll talk to you again later. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and share with your dog-loving friends. The information in this podcast is not intended to replace veterinary care. Always consult with your veterinarian for diagnosis and treatment of your pup.